0: Welcome back to the podcast. I'm your host, Margaret Pendo. And today I have the honor of introducing you to Kim Helderbrand. Kim is originally from Denmark, but has lived in Lugano for more than 25 years. And he graduated from Franklin in 1990 with a degree in international relations, and then went on to work in the Royal Danish Ministry of Foreign Affairs. However, now he currently serves as the president of Anchorage Group PLC, which is based in Lugano with headquarters in London as well as a member of the board of directors and advisor to the chairman for Rotonia Capital. But for Franklin, Kim actually serves as chair of the board of trustees and gave an incredibly touching speech at this year's graduation. And I'm very excited to have him here on the podcast and learn more about his story. So officially welcome Kim, very excited to have you.
1: Thank you, Margaret. It's a pleasure to be here with you, and uh, let me start out by complimenting you on the excellent podcasts that you've been doing. Really well done.
0: Thank you so much. It's been very fun.
1: I saw that you even had a, a podcast with my dear colleague uh, from the Board of Trustees, Emily Boynton.
0: Yes, yes, she's amazing <laughs> and very much fun to have on the podcast.
1: It was certainly exciting to hear it.
0: Well, something that intrigues me about you is the fact that you founded the Cybersecurity Management Challenges Symposiums, which was in collaboration with Franklin and actually hosted at Franklin. And I was wondering what made you begin that collaboration and if you could give some insight on what that is for new students who might not know.
1: Certainly, and and with great pleasure. Um, Professor Motale uh, of Franklin uh, University and I, we decided to to form the CMC Symposiums, Management uh, Consultancy Symposiums, in 2015. This was originally done because at that time there was not much going on in regards to cybersecurity in Switzerland. And we thought it's a very useful tool and it's uh, going to be something that's going to develop, unfortunately, negative, in a negative way uh, throughout the years to come. And um, we set it up and we thought also by doing it at Franklin we would uh, be able to provide an extra, let's call it marketing tool for the institution, to provide more vision or uh, orientation towards Franklin. Um, and um, we set it up in 2015 and we had five excellent consecutive symposiums uh, of very high level. Uh, it was recognized as the only real international symposium in Switzerland, uh, being attended by ambassadors, ministers, uh, head of, of corporate uh, institutions, and, of course, uh, the top-notch cyber experts. Uh, unfortunately, the pandemic then developed, and uh, as many other similar situations, it was suspended. And But I'm very pleased to say that we're now Discussing the 2022 symposium and keeping our fingers crossed that we can uh, go ahead with it
0: Yay, that's exciting. And so what kind of Events were happening at this symposium like if someone were to go or is interested in going what can they kind of expect?
1: Well, we we open it up to experts and non-experts and uh, by having these presentations it enables everybody uh, to be able to participate in an open way and ask questions. There's an excellent networking event taking place uh, during lunch and breakout sessions. So we, we try and keep it on a very informal level and not just have experts uh, because then it gets a bit too technical. So it's it's opened up to even primary uh, customers, and if I may put it in that sense, that are fearing what cybersecurity could do and uh, have them come in and, and try and open their a vision to to the dangers that exist out there. Um, And um, being so close to Italy, of course we have a lot of participants coming in from the northern part of Italy also. We have had experts come in from around the world and uh, we're very pleased and uh, I'm sure we can take it a step further but of course it has certainly not helped that we had to temporarily suspend our our symposiums because of the pandemic. if I may put it so bold, that this has given also an advantage to our competitors in seeing what we've been doing and uh, and trying to catch up with us. Yeah. But yeah. as they say, competition is good for everybody.
0: Exactly. Plus, Franklin has a certain charm that I don't know if you can get other places. <laughs> <laughs> so, curiosity of mine is actually your time on the being a chair of the board of trustees. And I was kind of wondering, brief overview of what that means to you.
1: Well, thank you for asking that question, Margaret, because it's, uh, it means a lot to me. I can wholeheartedly tell you that it's a great honor to be able to serve on our wonderful institution, and at the same time, also a privilege to be working together with a remarkable group of highly devoted trustees. Um, This has been, if I may put it, it's been a dream job come true. Um, The obviously responsibilities of being chair of the board uh, is to chair the three yearly uh, board meetings taking place and focusing those meetings on strategic matters relevant to the university as well as ensuring that we continue to set high governance standards. This is an absolutely must today. Besides that, there are numerous other meetings which I participate in concerning specific university matters um, as well as uh, the main job of course is for the board and the chair to provide uh advice and counsel to the president um, and keeping in mind that the board is of course the final authority uh, as to specific legal and fiduciary matters um with it comes also, uh, and this is always a pleasure, a representative commitment, uh, both in Lugano as well as abroad. And uh, this is actually the first time that the chair resides in the same location as the institution, so I am much, much more on campus than, than my distinguished previous uh, uh, colleagues and chairs. Um, but it's a pleasure. It's uh, It allows me to to express and show my passion for this wonderful institution that we have.
0: Yeah, no, it sounds really fun. And so how is it? I mean, obviously you went to Franklin. And so now you're kind of more in the official cabinet of Franklin. What is it like? Do you ever kind of get those excitement feelings of, oh, I'm going to find out the inner workings of this and that?
1: Well, being an alum of Franklin, I must say I never imagined that I would be back at Franklin as, as chair of the board of trustees. Um, as I said previously, it, it was a true, true dream, a uh, dream that came true. Um, and it's been a pleasure and interesting learning uh, what takes place at Franklin. And it's, it's, um, it's confirmed to me that Franklin is a true family. It really is a small family. And um, we see that with our students. We see that with our alumni. And we see it with our parents. And I think we have a unique institution. We just have to get a little bit better at promoting it. Um, and that we're working on. And I think our, our marketing and admissions, and they're all doing a wonderful job in doing that. And uh, we'll continue to improve on that.
0: Yeah. And kind of throwing it back a bit. To your time at Franklin, and I guess now, but I'm kind of curious about what your fondest memories were at Franklin and what are some things that felt like your key moments being a Franklin student?
1: I only have positive memories. I must say I really do. It it was, uh, I was living in Milan and Franklin was was the nearest uh, college uh, at that time, Uh, and I spent four wonderful years and my fondest memory, I have to say, of course, was meeting my wife at Franklin.
0: Wow. Oh, How did that happen?
1: <laughs> we met during my senior year, which I have to say was not exactly great for my, my grades, but uh, <laughs> I managed to pull it through. But um, even going back after having graduated to Denmark and, and, and working for the government, uh the relationship uh, existed it continued and with frequent visits every 2 3 weeks back and forth and uh in 1994 i decided to leave the government and uh and moved back to lugano so uh you can actually say uh, love beat the career <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah and so how did you guys meet where in Fra- like what part of franklin brought you two together
1: Oh, I had been keeping a good eye on on Nikki, my wife, uh, even through my junior year, and uh, the senior year enabled us to get closer together, and uh, the spark was was lighted up, ignited, and uh, and I think which it was just meant to be, and, uh, which the fact we're we're here today, we have two fantastic children, Alex and Maya, and. Um, So, yes, we can. Franklin definitely brought us together. And the fact of of my capacity as chair, it just brings back all these wonderful memories. Just sitting in this, in the Franklin in the college boardroom here is uh, where I defended my thesis in 1990. Uh, So, it brings back a a lot of positive, also very hard memories of defending the thesis. But uh, every time I'm in here, you just feel the special feeling.
0: Yeah. And I love that room. It's so pretty inside of it.
1: It It is. And uh, I notice it also when I have guests coming in here. They really feel the, the aura of an academic institution being in this room. Uh, but in in regards to, to other fun memories, uh, I think the friendships established during my time at Franklin, uh, they have become longtime friendships and they are global. So... When you travel the world, you always have somebody you can visit wherever you are, and uh, and that leads back to what I said to before of, of Franklin being a small family, and um, this is what I, I always say in my graduation uh, remarks, as you'll know, that I Franklin will always be open, it will always be a family, and uh, we always hope you come back and see us. Yeah, uh, and I can't uh, not comment on another memory. It's, it's um it was very important also the relationship which you had with your faculty, with your with my professors. Um while I attended Franklin. Some of them unfortunately have passed by uh, or passed away, oh. such as Professors Daco, Stanford, Villarey and Yovan de Capiello. But I'm so pleased to see you around still Professors Motale, Sline, and Giuseppe Capiello, Hirsch and Parsons. So um just mentioning those names automatically brings back some fantastic memories, also some hard classes <laughs> to
0: attend. <laughs> Wait, so you actually were taught by Professor Motale and then got to do this collaboration with, with the help of Professor Motale?
1: Isn't that a wonderful situation? Yes, indeed. And uh, having him still around on, on campus and, uh, and also seeing Professor Sline, who is now Emeritus, but when he's back on campus, is 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 wonderful uh it it is a true familiar feeling
0: yeah i've heard many a good thing about professor Schlein, and i would love to meet him one day
1: well you know margaret i keep saying this and i i try and say it as as neutral as possible but uh the heart of franklin is is our faculty we have an exceptional uh, faculty amongst us and um then comes the administration. It's, it's teamwork. it's a real teamwork, and um, this is what makes Franklin so special. Where else can you go and, and have a coffee or a pizza with your with your professor? Uh, this is This is one of the aspects that makes Franklin so unique.
0: Yeah no I, I, it's funny when people's parents visit their immediate planning mode is taking their professors out for lunch or coffee or drinks so that they can literally meet their family that flew from wherever to, uh, to visit. And my parents were very emotional when my dad actually came to visit and he thought that was just fantastic. It
1: is, and, and this is what I tell uh, prospective students and parents also. Uh, one of the key aspects is our very low ratio between uh, students and faculty members in the class. And uh, one one situation comes to mind when I was asked to help a student coming in from Zurich, from the University of Zurich. And I remember asking, uh, I'm, the admissions is going to need a reference, and they told me, uh, I can give you one. But that professor won't know who I am. I'm just a name, just a number in that class. And that's something that will never happen at Franklin.
0: Yeah, no, it's it's such a blessing. In disguise sometimes, because you wish you could hide and no one knows who you are. (laughs) (laughs) Something that I'm curious about that you mentioned was um, you actually lived in Milan. And so you're originally from Denmark, and I was wondering what what brought you to Milan? Why were you living in Milan? Uh,
1: Milan um, was due to my father's uh, diplomatic career. Uh, My father's a diplomat. I've I've lived abroad thanks to my father's career again in Malaysia, in Lebanon during the Civil War, Cyprus, Finland, and then came Milan. And that's what was actually the last uh, time when I and I stayed with my parents. From that on, then I started living my own life, and uh, and my parents went on to a posting in France after that. But um, that's what brought me here, and I've discussed this many times with my dad, where my father, my dad has reminded me, he said, just imagine I was posted somewhere else. You wouldn't have been a Franklin then. Your life maybe would be completely different in another way today, and it, it really makes you think about it. So yeah. I was extremely lucky.
0: Very mm-hmm. Very. And so you speak Italian very, very well, extremely fluently. Did you start learning in Milan or did you learn in Franklin?
1: I had to learn it in Denmark before uh, moving to Milan.
0: Oh, whoa.
1: It was one of the requirements of the diplomatic service that you had to know some part of the language. So my parents and I started taking lessons in Copenhagen then... When I arrived in Milan, I I did my senior high school year at the American uh, high school in Milan. And uh, that gave me a very good approach to the Italian. And then I I continued within Franklin and uh, I'm so grateful. Um, Languages is something that is fundamental today. That is a key message that I keep telling our students. Take the time, learn an additional language. It's going to come out to a huge benefit to you in the future.
0: Yeah, definitely. And so I was, I know that this is a bit far back, but I feel like it kind of flows in this moment. Um, I wanted to talk a little bit about your time working at the Royal Danish Ministry of Foreign Affairs and what was that like and how did you come into that?
1: Well, that was a childhood dream. Uh, come true also. Uh, I've always admired my dad and the work he's been doing and uh, therefore this was a, a natural, if I can put it like, natural way for me to to continue also. I wanted to continue in his footsteps and represent my country, Denmark. Um, so I was honored when I had this opportunity after coming back from, from Lugano and um, I was privileged to be put in a division that dealt with the uh, European presidency of Denmark. Denmark had the presidency of the European Union. And um, that provided me with some experiences which I will always remember in receiving and beating heads of state to Denmark during the presidency. And um, provided me a lot of experience which I have been able to benefit from in my professional career after I left the government. Um that is what I can comment on regarding my my okay my pro- professional experience at, at the Danish government of the, of the Ministry of Foreign Affairs.
0: I love that. And so you then I guess you like you said, you lived in Denmark. And then how how did you um end up back in Nagano? What did you where what was your transition?
1: Well, I was in the difficult... Uh, situation because I was, as always with you, diplomats. you have to spend some time home in, in the ministry and then of course you're, you're sent out to various postings around the world and a, and a very interesting posting was opening up for me. But at the same time, I had my that time girlfriend, now a wife, Nikki here in Lugano, and with the posting that I was considering, um, it would have been very, very difficult for us to, to continue. Uh, in that part of the world, and uh, therefore, I I had to make a very tough decision, and that's where it brings back to as I said before love or career, and uh, and love won, <laughs> and that brought me back to Lugano, and then came the good question: now what? <laughs> and um, I wasn't. I'm not. I'm not. Uh, I'm not into banking. I'm not into financial institutions, which there are numerous of in Lugano. So. Uh, I decided to set up a a consultancy company and advising companies how to expand internationally and uh and use my diplomatic skills in that sense and that came in extremely handy and I had a wonderful 25 years in that in that profession um and learned a lot and as I say you always learn no matter what age you are or what you're doing there's always something to learn
0: and what was it like um setting up a business in switzerland in Lugano specifically um as a foreigner
1: it was a bit scary i have to be open and say that it's uh, you're a foreigner in switzerland and uh, this is your first company you're setting up um but it's again it provided experience it uh, it gave you a know-how for the future and i was very glad i did it i got some good advice along the way and um it's, it's been interesting. It really has. And that experience is so fundamental as you move forward in your careers. And uh, being able to help others has is, is always been an important aspect of mine, both professionally and privately. So um, I'm grateful for the life that I've had so
0: far. Yeah, it sounds, I mean, I would love to start a business in Lugano. Why not? You know, it's a beautiful place to be.
1: It is. It is. It's a beautiful country. It's a beautiful city. And uh, it's, it's difficult sometimes in being a foreigner, but you, you sort of get to appreciate that because that's why the country is beautiful. Also, they, they protect it. They have their rules. But if you abide by those rules, there is, there's an open door for opportunities. Um, and Switzerland is, is in a fantastic location. You're in the heart of Europe.
0: Whenever I found myself wanting to complain on the quote-unquote strictness, I remember how easy it is to literally do anything. You hop on a train and you're at a, hiking, at a hiking trail. You hop on another train, you're in Milan. Like, it's just too good to be true, really.
1: We're really spoiled uh, being in this wonderful location. As you said, there's so many locations and places to visit. Public transportation is just absolutely wonderful. It works um service industry is high. So um I couldn't have I couldn't think of a better location for Franklin also to be.
0: Yeah, I completely agree. And I've said this before in many a podcast. Whenever I get the opportunity, go, I recommend for those listening, definitely go to Milan. It's so easy. It's so fun. Uh, it seems daunting but it's worth it.
1: <laughs> you're you're so right, Margaret, and you know having Milan 45 45- minutes to the south, Zurich two hours uh, to the north, Uh, airports nearby, it just opens up for an infinity of of destinations to visit and cultures to take in.
0: Yeah completely and actually sometimes professors give you the opportunity to enrich your studies by traveling to local cities around and going to museums and things like that so that's also a blessing in itself.
1: It is and it, it opens up another Uh, Another door for for great opportunities, which is our academic travel. Our academic travel program is unique. And um, I can't think of any other institution that that has our type of academic travels. Um, Because it's not fun trips. It's academic trips. You're out there. You're learning. You're taking in. Of course, there should always be time for having a, a good time also. Because this is where you really bond with your classmates and your professor. Um, So there should always be time for that. But when I look at the academic travels that Franklin has done throughout its history, it's absolutely wonderful. And um, we look forward to continuing developing it as we move forward uh, when the pandemic allows for more interesting destinations, let me put it that way.
0: (laughs) And where were some of the destinations you went when you went to Franklin?
1: My first academic travel, if I get it right here, it was to uh, Naples, the south of Italy. And that was a wonderful trip. And uh, it was led by a, one of our fantastic uh, professor emeritus, uh, Capiello. And uh, it, it really bonded. And I was in a sort of awkward situation because I had to live in Milan. So I commuted back and forth every day for four years. Wow. Um, um so i lost out on on a lot of interesting situations and also great parties i imagine but uh it was uh it was also a, uh, it we had professors living in milan at that time uh, professor terzi and wow. professor daco which has now passed and they drove with me or we drove with each other occasionally and uh, that provided that extra bond um, and I just discussed this with Professor Terzi when we had a coffee the other day. He was also still in Franklin. So, uh, privileged to have both Motala and Terzi on campus. Um, so that was really special, but it was also very hard. It was very hard because you had that drive. It's not a very safe highway. Uh, so it's, it took its toll, but, uh, still it uh, provided experience and, uh, prepared me even more for, for my career as it came along.
0: Yeah, and so you li- did you, you didn't live with your parents in Milan or did you when you did that commute or were you living by yourself? I
1: lived with my parents, and that okay. was one of the uh, requirements by the government uh, for security reasons. And that's uh, so I left. I lived with them for years. Yes,
0: that's what I was curious. I feel like there's a very interesting diplomatic relationship with young quote unquote children. <laughs>
1: Yes, uh, there are always certain requirements and sometimes easier, sometimes more difficult. But uh, I have a fantastic record with my parents who I love dearly. And uh, we're close and that's probably to be attributed to the life we've had in different countries. And especially during the civil war in in Lebanon, that really uh, put us together uh, closely. And and we're on the phone up to today. We're on the phone every single day also just checking how we're doing.
0: And are they back in Denmark or are they, where are they?
1: They're back in, they're back in Denmark and uh, they come down every, every two months to see their grandchildren And uh, or I fly up. Uh, now it's the first time that I haven't been back to Denmark for a year and a half because of the pandemic. So I'm, uh, I'm looking very forward to being able to do that soon.
0: Yeah, hopefully everything goes well. I just recently came home a few weeks ago for the first time in almost a year, and it was very exciting. I feel like it gives you a small refresh on some place that you feel like you know so well. And so that was kind of fun twist on things.
1: <laughs> I, can, I can totally relate to that. And, and having lived abroad most of my life. I still feel as a tourist when I go back to my country. So uh, when I take my family around, I'm experiencing new matters also and uh, exciting sightseeing tours and so on. And, uh, I think it's wonderful. Uh, but Switzerland has become home, I have to say. This is, uh, I love going up to Denmark, but once I bought my, my Swiss flight back to, to Zurich, then it's, uh, I'm saying I'm going back home now.
0: Yeah. No, it's funny. It's funny because actually in another podcast, we were talking about how you miss home at first and then you come to Franklin and you almost miss Franklin as home once you leave. And so you're kind of conflicted. You're like, where am I from? (laughs) You know, like... That's very
1: true. That's very true. (laughs)
0: Um, I was wondering when you describe Franklin to other people or people ask you, you know, what is Franklin about? What are some things that you tell them and feel like they should know?
1: I do start by telling them, and I mean this, there is no L institution like Franklin. We are truly unique, and I'm trying to be as neutral as possible here, and speaking as Kim and not as the chair. Uh, we, are, we are unique, and we are really a, a, a small family. And um, you see that by our alumni when they come back to visit uh it is wonderful and franklin will always be here it's uh, for our alums for our parents for the friends of franklin we're always here the doors always open and we encourage everybody to come back and visit or or keep let us know what they're doing we want to know it's exciting where they've been what are they doing what where are they working where they've been traveling to um so um, i'd like to really encourage that and remind everybody to do that um, but the fact that we are a unique institution, I think this is also confirmed by, by parents when they come here. I had the, the pleasure of participating at the president's reception the other day for incoming students and their parents and speaking to them. They were just amazed how special Franklin was. Uh, they had an idea, but once coming on campus, it just enforces that uh, vision that they had about Franklin.
0: Yeah, definitely. It, you almost don't believe it, and then you see it, and you're like, oh, okay, never mind. It does exist.
1: <laughs> it does. It does. And being in a small city as Lugano just makes it so much easier and uh, and interacting. This is another recommendation, you know, interacting with the local community. This is what I highly encourage our students to do because the local community wants that also. They would like that. Um, yeah. And I think we have changed. We've changed, Franklin significantly over the last years in becoming a more open institution also to the local community, who have always seen us maybe a little bit closed up. And um, this breaking down this wall, so opening up doors, I think that's been very welcomed by by the local community.
0: Yeah, and unfortunately, Lugano's mayor, um, Marco Borradori, I believe is how you pronounce it, sadly just passed away. But something Professor Cordon used to tell me is, you go down to the main plaza, you just sit there for an hour or so, wait till the mayor comes out, and you can have coffee with the mayor. So Lugano is very friendly in a certain way.
1: I can, uh, I can totally confirm that. Uh, mayor Boratori was uh, a dear friend, and uh, his passing was a shock. It came as I was on holiday in Greece, and uh, he was a true friend of Franklin, and uh, this is very important for us. And uh, he loved being on campus. He always opened up the cybersecurity conferences we had. He was the first one, the first main speaker. So um his uh his passing was uh yes, was not pleasant. It was a terrible terrible message to receive. I um, I'm certain both the president and I we will uh we will work hard at establishing the same kind of relationship with the new incoming mayor and uh and hope to soon have that person uh, on campus visiting our our beautiful uh, institution.
0: I can't wait. And so, seeing as though we're recording as the first week of school, so that's very exciting. Um, I've heard before we started recording, Kim was raving about good things about this incoming class. I'm very excited. But I was wondering if you had any advice to current students new to Franklin or current students that have been attending Franklin for a while?
1: Well, uh, to all of our students, whether they're the incoming or the current students, I would highly recommend that they take advantage of this unique opportunity, uh, which they've been given, and learn a language or two, uh, and explore not only Switzerland, but also the rest of Europe. Uh, Our students are so lucky to be right in the heart of Europe, and uh, this opens up doors to so many opportunities, and I just feel it would be it would be such a waste not taking advantage of this. I know it's not always easy with schedules and and so on, but if there is time for it, take advantage of this. Uh, and I think at at one point in our students' future academic or professional challenges, uh, these experiences are going to be an advantage. Um, but. Having said that also, there should naturally also be space for having a good time uh, and enjoying the roommates because those roommates, they're going to become friends for life. Um, So that is special.
0: Yeah, it's funny. My roommate and I, I don't know if it's magical powers, but we ended up becoming the best of friends as we graduated. And at first I will admit we didn't like each other because, you know, roommates are hard, but we came around and I can't imagine my life without her. So I definitely agree with that sentiment.
1: That's wonderful to hear. That's wonderful to hear. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Well, thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate it. It's been super interesting to get to know a little bit more about you. And I just can't thank you enough for being on the podcast.
1: Margaret, it's been a a great pleasure and uh, let me me reiterate again, uh, thank you for the great work you're doing. Your podcasts are interesting. It's a pleasure. I always listen to them when I'm either driving in the car or I have a moment, so uh, keep up the good work.
0: Well, I'm glad you like them and um, I wish you the best of luck in this new Franklin year and thanks again.
1: Thank you, Margaret. Thank you for having me.